What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Hmm. Happy last day of Pride Month, everybody. Yes, yes. I hope everybody enjoyed their June and bought from small businesses instead of big corporations that throw rainbows on things. This episode is a pillar of one of the things that I cannot stand. It is when you're young. It's when you're in love. You make the worst decision of your life. And... Then your story is swiftly swept under the rug as the rest of your life changes from a person to a number. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next week. Got you a coffee, oatmeal cappuccino, right? Your bookshelf. Wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments now on Bumble. Our players this week are Bertha Atkins, Larkita's grandmother, and our victim. And Larkita Coyer and Sharon Patterson are murderesses. Larkita Coyer was born on February 25th, 1987, to her mother, Sandra. Growing up for Larkita, it was just her, her mom, and her grandmother, Bertha, all living under one roof. Her mother worked very hard. She worked all types of jobs, all types of hours just to keep their home together. And they lived in Detroit on the intersection of Hampshire and Newport Street, which apparently is East Detroit. If you look at Larkisha, like, if you see the pictures of her from the time that this was all going down, Larkita was a baby stud. And because of this, she was constantly being criticized, not just at school, but she was also being criticized at home about what she wore and about the fact that she liked girls, especially from her grandmother. And it was really getting to Larkita and we don't really know much about Larkita's life which again this is why I hate cases like this because there's not much to go off of we're just going to give you guys the facts that we have but what we do know is that when she was attending high school she was making good grades she was living the life of a normal teenager and she played basketball and it was on the basketball team that she met Sharon Elaine Patterson. Sharon Patterson was born on May 25th of 1986. And when the two met, they began flirting on the basketball team. You know, y'all know when it's the two that ain't acting a little friendlier. They acting a little friendlier than the rest of the team, you know? Mm-hmm. So home life for Sharon was pretty much non-existent from what we could tell on the very few resources that we could find. But um, it seems like she was kind of couch surfing and house hopping to different friends' houses. When she met Larkita, they hit it off really quickly and... <laughs> 
fell in love, as lesbians do. They're teenagers. Right. <laughs> Larkita was 16 and Sharon was 17, and they were obsessed with each other. Sharon was sneaking in and out the house at all hours of the night, spending a night hiding in the closet. And then, from what we could tell, it sounds like there, there were times where Sandra, Lakita's mom, would allow Sharon to stay over for a few days, seemingly under the impression of, oh, this is my best friend, can she sleep over? But Sharon also wasn't a good house guest, which I know, I know your mama told you to. Maybe she did. I know my mama told me, don't go over nobody's house acting like you don't got no home training. You clean up after yourselves. You pick up what the house is doing. You do. You fall in line and you carry suit, right? Don't be a burden yes, to nobody. Yes, but I want to, I just want to parenthetically insert for Sharon on her behalf. If she was couch surfing, there was nobody to tell her, hey, don't go over there acting a fool. Well, maybe she did. And my mama told me. <laughs> right. But, you know, you keep up after yourself. So, on top of that, Sharon's also a little grown in the mouth. Them two don't couple well. Like, you're not about to be messing up my house and talking back to me. Because you're not even my kid. You don't have to be here, okay? Right. And then, to make matters worse, the girls got caught by Lakita's mom and Grandma Bertha doing some stuff they had no business doing in the house. I don't know if it was kissing, just cuddled up, or however far they saw it, but Sandra put her foot down and was like, this ain't happening. And Grandma Bertha wasn't having it either. And she's chewing in on Larkita. She's not having it. Sandra not having it. Not up in here, okay? So Sandra's like, these sleepovers, dead. It's not happening. This was the last one. Don't even try and ask me again. Being alone, unsupervised in this house, dead. It's not happening. Anytime you home and she here, I need to be here. And that's the end of that. Right. And you would think that that would work. Like, you can't have, you just need to be supervised. But eventually, Lakita's mom was just like, it's like, okay, Sharon needs to leave. She can't come back. And the girls are upset about this. Like, yes, we're going to be able to see each other at school, but we want to be able to see each other. And they're 16. And I, you know, I was love sick at Listen, 16. I know. I, I was doing it. I, it was all about. It it was. I was lovesick at 16 and doing crazy stuff to try and see the person that I wanted to be with. Well, I've been lovesick since she fell in love. <laughs> please don't put my business out on the street. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, and that's why Mariah just was like, yes, give me the love. No, somebody said in a discussion group, somebody was like, all right, y'all, stop flirting with Mariah. And I said, hey, 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 hey. I, I didn't say stop flirting with me. <laughs> I love the attention. No, I it. love, but but that's me. I love love. Like, I love love. I love being in love to a fault sometimes, but that's just who I am. And they were the same way. They love love. They love being in love. So on Wednesday, September 17th, 2003, they decided that they were going to dip out of school early and they were going to sneak back to Larkita's place so they could have some alone time. Now, they knew that Larkita's mom would be at work. And they also knew that Grandma Birthday was going to be there, but I don't know if they just thought Grandma, oh, she's not going to hear nothing. We're going to sneak and go to the basement, so, and no one's going to hear anything. But they go to the house. They're alone. They start making out. They start doing a little more. Now, I don't know if they were being too loud, if they knocked something over, what was happening. But Grandma Bertha did hear a noise. And so she comes down to the basement. When she goes down to the basement, guess what she finds? Larkita and Sharon. 
Grandma Bertha is not having this because what do what are the rules? This girl is not supposed to be here. Your mother also made sure that I knew that this girl was not supposed to be here. You got five minutes to get out this house or I'm calling the police. Like, he's like, okay, 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 she'll go. Like, but this, Sharon is not happy about this. Like, oh, you gonna call the police on me? What? The girls get ready to leave and grandma goes into the other room giving them their five minutes. And Lakita's really upset. Like, she even says, like, I hate that bitch. And Sharon, of course, Sharon is pissed too. So they're two angry teenagers blurting off about how upset they are. And Sharon basically was like, you know, if she was dead, we wouldn't have this problem. And in that moment, the girls decided that 64-year-old Bertha Atkins had to go and they came up with a plan. So the initial plan is they're going to go in, they're going to ambush Miss Bertha in the home, and then Sharon's going to choke her, right? Now while Sharon's choking her, Lakita's going to hit her with the hammer that they found in the house. And then on top of that, to drown out the screams of the grandmother, Lakita's going to turn up the radio in the home. Now, as soon as they about to do their attack, Lakita's like, eh, actually, I don't know if I can do this. This is my grandmama. And Sharon's like, listen, I, I'll get the damn hammer. She takes the hammer. She goes into the room where Miss Bertha is sitting in her chair, and she begins hitting her with the hammer. Sharon is hitting her until the hammer eventually gets stuck in Miss Bertha's eye socket. That's when the girls take a step back, and they look at this mess, and there is blood everywhere. And when I say blood everywhere, I mean blood is everywhere. And Grandma Bertha is unrecognizable. So then Sharon has the bright idea to say, burn the house down. No house, no crime scene, right? No crime scene, no crime. Right. <laughs> so Lakita goes to the garage and she gets the gasoline and pours it over and around her grandmother and they set the house on fire. The two of them walk out the front door and down the street and go see the newest movie that's out at the time which is like 2003, so they're going to see Jeepers Creepers too. The neighbor sees the flames and then calls 911. Larkita's mom pulls up and her home is literally like, it's in flames. What what do you do? do? Uh, I just remember when my car caught on fire and I was sick, so my house... (laughs) I just imagine like pulling up to the neighborhood and you're hearing the the firefighters and then you're kind of seeing the lights and you're like who house are they going to and then you pull up and it's your house that's on fire that's what i said when my car was on fire whose car is that and it was mine So she pulls up. Her home is in flames. And finally, the firefighters come. They're able to put out the fire. They're able to kind of search the rubble and see what's happening. Where did this fire start? How could this have possibly happened? And they find the source of the fire. The source of the fire is Bertha's body. Once they find her, they know that this is not a mistake because Bertha is laying there with the hammer still stuck in her skull. The fire is out. They're they're figuring out the scene. The neighbor has told everybody what they see, and up out of nowhere walks the girls, Larkita and Sharon. They just walk up, and by this time, the neighbor had already told everybody that they saw the girls walking out calm, calm, cool as day. As soon as the fire started, and that night they were like, "Okay, girls, y'all need to go talk to the police. Y'all need to go turn the, yourselves in." And immediately, the girls were handed over to the police. And baby, as soon as they were turned in, they turned on each other. So first, Sharon said that she didn't attack Bertha at all. She said it was Larkita that was the one that attacked her grandmother. 
her story was that she was living with them for a while. And, of course, they found out about the relationship, that they were gay. And so they kicked them they kicked her out. And she told the police that she had no plan to kill Bertha. And she was not involved with any of this in any circumstances whatsoever. The next day, they questioned Sharon a little bit more. And Sharon's like, oh, okay, well, okay, I lied. I was the one that did hit Bertha with the hammer. Larkita wasn't the one that beat her, but that was only because Larkita put the hammer in my hand and she was like, she couldn't do it and made me do it while she went to go turn the music up in the house to drown out Bertha's screams. And it was Larkita who set the house on fire. Larkita said that she was supposed to give the blows to her grandmother, but she just couldn't bring herself to do it. So she did, in fact, give the hammer to Sharon and went to turn the radio up. I guess when she did that, she thought to herself, this isn't right. But by the time that thought came across her head, she's already hearing her grandmother scream. So when she makes her way back to the room, it's already done. Lakita admits that she was the one who poured the gasoline around her grandmother and set fire to the house. But the whole plot was Sharon's idea in the first place. The girls were both arrested and obviously charged with felony murder, arson, and murder in the first degree. And the court decided that they would charge the two girls as adults. On September 19th of 2003, one by one, the girls stood in front of the court and was asked how they would like to plead to each of the three charges. And the girls didn't say a word. So a not guilty plea was entered. And the girls got ready to take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. On September 29th, 2003, both of the girls were given their court appointed attorney, and there was a motion put in place to dismiss the felony murder charge. The motion was granted, so now they were only facing the first-degree murder and the arson. On November 13th of 2003, Larkita's lawyer tried to file an insanity hearing. However, that didn't go through, and Larkita was found fit to stand trial. Then, later in November, November 25th, a motion was put in place for the girls to have separate trials. I mean, there were some distinct differences between their stories. So if they're tried separately, maybe they'll get a different outcome for one or the other, right? Especially since they're pointing the finger at each other. The motion was granted and they were tried separately. But one of the things that I found very, very interesting was their trials were still very parallel. Like, they were still sentenced on the same day. They still sat to hear what their sentence was going to be like they still treated in from what I could tell and what I could gather they still really treated these girls like they were on trial at the same time the pretrial begins in December of 2003 and their case hits a jury in March of 2004 the trial took place between March 22nd and March 25th during the trial of course the girls are still pointing the finger at each other and Larkita said during that trial that Karen, that Sharon had mentioned once that she wanted Sharon mentioned that she wanted to kill my grandmother but I didn't think that she would ever actually go through with the plan and Sharon is saying that she Larkita put the weapon in my hand and said she couldn't do it and said that I had to do it. And you know what I really think, Tazzy? I really think that all those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Like, I think that they could have really had this horrible idea and then Larkita really could have said, I can't do this, gave it to Sharon. Sharon and what she was really saying was, hold on. You know? But Sharon misinterpreted it and said, thought it's meant go do it right and when larkita 
went to go do her part. She was really going, and she really could have had that thought and was headed back to Sharon, but Sharon thought that Larkita said go, and she wanted to do what she said her to do. I really feel like all these things can be true at the same time. Yeah, I do too. The jury came back on March 25th, 2004, and both girls were found guilty of first-degree murder and of arson. And what is really crazy about this is that before all of this happened because they were pointing the finger at each other so much they had a plea agreement on the table to like plea to second degree murder and they would have of course got a lesser sentence but they took the both of them took the gamble Mm. and got life Mm. and then honestly you don't hear much from them their lives are taken away until very recently remember it's very recent in as far as the judicial system goes that it was found to be unconstitutional for minors to be charged with life in prison without the possibility of parole. So now, all of a sudden, there is this chance for them to actually have a release date. And here's an interesting thing. So when they were doing the appeal, it wasn't an appeal of their sentence, right? So they just had to basically go in front of the, the high court, talk about their case, and talk about the sentence that they deserve now that they do not deserve life in prison without the possibility of parole. And when Sharon was standing in front of the court and they were filing all the documents, one of the things that they said is that, just going to read it straight off, quote, it is also noteworthy that consistent with the trial court's observations at the time of the offense, our legislators considered persons of defendant's age, 17 and four months, as adults for purpose of the penal code. Indeed, even under Miller, which was one of the cases they were referring to, and recent changes to our code, the defendant was only some eight months from statutory adulthood. It doesn't matter. So they were basically saying because that she was almost an adult, that means that she was fully an adult. And I think they said somewhere that she was also living as an adult. No, she wasn't living as an adult. She got kicked out of the house and she was couch surfing. Right. She ain't paying no bills, ain't got nothing in her name. Right. And because of that, they were saying that that's not an excuse for her to have been tried as a minor. And they should still uphold the sentencing, this resentencing, as if she was an adult still. So Sharon was resentenced. She got this crime took place in 2003. She was resentenced on April 5th of 2022. So imagine almost a full, what was it? What is it, like 19 years later, you find out that you're even eligible to get out of prison? Wild. Yeah. And so now Sharon's earliest release date is August 18th, 2043, but her maximum discharge date is August of 2063. Now, Larkita was also resentenced because minors, it is unconstitutional now for minors to be sentenced with life without the possibility of parole. And Larkita was sentenced, was resentenced, and now her earliest release date is August 17th, 2038, but her maximum is September 17th, 2063. So basically, Still two very long life sentences. Imagine 19 years later finding out that there's a possibility that you could be paroled. Yeah, man. Maybe it's giving him like a new spark of hope. Like maybe they're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and it gives him something to live for now. But now you had all those years taken away from them where they didn't think like, I'm going to post a picture of Larkita right now and I'm going to let y'all know, Larkita 
looks like the person that you would need to go and punch as soon as you get on the yard so that you can establish dominancy. Larkita looks Shut like <laughs> Okay. I'm I'm gonna just post it. I'm not even gonna say nothing else. Because <laughs> but the thing about Larkita, for instance, she had no criminal past. She didn't get in trouble. She was a baby stud, sure, but she didn't get in trouble with the law. She wasn't out in the streets. This was her first violent act ever. And I think it's really interesting, the Deadly Women's episode, which, of course, you always take those things with a grain of salt. But one of the things that they did say was that it's very possible that she would have never had a violent offense ever if it wasn't for this situation. Tattooed on the face. Ooh. (laughs) She's scary. (laughs) Very scary, friend. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next week. Got you a coffee, oatmeal cappuccino, right? Your bookshelf. Wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments. Now on Bumble. Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. first place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery. Bloodlines. Rated R. Streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour. So, whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season, or fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season, you can save time by getting fall sips delivered in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. All right, y'all. It's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. I didn't do it, but if I did, ain't nobody touching my grandmothers. Yeah. Or we just going to have to come up with something else because that's not going to work. What? And, you know, I just feel like with this story, you just don't know Larkita's side because Larkita was at the point where she was like, I hate that bitch. Larkita was a stud in 2003, a 17-year-old stud in 2003. Life was not fucking easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, who knows what her grandmother was really saying to her? And that's the thing. Like, this case is hardly covered. We can barely make a full episode out of it. Larkita's side of the story, who knows what the... Because they were all everything said, Larkita's grandmother had harsh words. And I'm not saying that she needed to die because of those harsh words. But has anybody taken into account that Larkita was probably being called all types of slurs Mm -hmm. from the moment that she started playing basketball? You know what I'm saying? I didn't do it, but if I did and I had money, I would have a real attorney and not a court-appointed attorney because those things needed to be discussed as well. However, they weren't discussed as far as I can tell. Uh It's not saying that she deserved to die, but can we talk about the verbal abuse that I was receiving at home? Isn't that a leg to stand on, at least so that you're not sentenced to life in prison? I ain't do it, but if I did, I'd have definitely removed the hammer from Grandma's skull. They said they couldn't. It was stuck. Apparently, like, that's what made them stop beating her. I could not. I could not. 
You probably just heard all this cracking. Oh my god. Um, and you feel those blows like mm-hmm. until she actually passed in out. Arm. I just oof. like I've hammered a finger, and my goodness, that hurt. You know, fuck. Um, yeah, I didn't do it, but if I did, I think we all know this. If you're listening to this show, but. They were 16 and 17 and really, really dumb. Burning down a house is not going to burn away a body. And then I kind of have... Sharon was portrayed. So there was this one quote. Sharon really didn't have anybody, any family or anything like that. There was this one quote in this one article where a family member that was unnamed, don't know where they came from, was like, well, we didn't even know that Sharon liked girls. There are teenagers in 2003 that liked girls. I could totally understand why the adults in their life didn't know. But... Everybody's like, she just had a problem with authority and da-da-da-da-da. And they made her seem to be, like, the aggressor and the person that was pushing Lakrita to doing this. And I just really feel like... So when I stopped having communication with my parent and was really in the world on my own, it was after high school, but it was still right after high school. So it was still a young age, 17, 18, the world really opens up in a way that is very different. You know how some people are like, after they go to college, they have a really hard time coming home because they're used to not having that authority and now they're back in their mama's house. It's like that, but on a whole different level when you're just constantly in survival mode in the world on your own. And feeling like, like in college, I was that way and I was dating this girl that was very close to her parents and she was clearly a stud. Like you... But you still wouldn't come out to your parents and they ran everything that you did. And for me on where I was sitting, I could not understand that. And I was frustrated with her and I was frustrated with her parents because how are you pretending like you're not hunching me at night when <laughs> like, why are you pretending that you're not doing it when it's so clear? Like, it's clear. Everybody knows. I'm pretty sure that they know at this point. But you have this resistance because you're trying to be respectful, but you're trying to live the life that you want to live. And I think Sharon, people were like, she just has no, she's such an adult. She had no lack of, a, no, she had such a problem with authority. She didn't want to listen to Larkita's mom. Well, maybe because she didn't have authority, you know? Mm-hmm. And once you don't have authority for that long, it's not that you have a problem with it. It's that it comes with skepticism. And, the fact that she has such skepticism with authority at such a young age, I feel like there's more that we could have talked about versus just sending them to prison for life. Both of these women, I mean, they're grown. I just think that there was so much that could have been talked about. Like Sharon, I do think that that grandmother was saying some really nasty, calling her all types of, all the slurs, all the slurs. And Sharon being this person that was free heavy air quotes on that because she was just out in the world from what her is parents. Is homeless. Sharon was homeless. Yes. And I don't think it's fair for any, like, not that any person should be homeless, but for damn sure, it's not fair for children to have to be homeless. And then when you're in survival mode at 17, and she's been that way for a couple of years, like, you it, you don't see authority. You see survival. And then you feel like you're big and bad and can't survive anything. So you think that you can be like, no, Lakrita, if you a stud and you love me, then they need to fucking accept it. It's easy for you to say that from the position that she's in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made any sense. It makes sense. I just think that 
And this case wasn't picked up by national news, you know. People didn't rally behind a case like this. And I do think that if they had proper lawyers, if somebody rallied behind, if these queer organizations rallied behind this case in 2003, they would have at least had the proper lawyers and they'd probably be out of prison right now. They would have to serve time, absolutely. Okay, parole or no parole. So I feel like if... People really picked up and route. We've seen it. We've seen these people that are poor, that have no money, that they committed a crime. And because the community rallied around them, they were able to get out of prison enough time where it felt like real reform could happen. And they also had a path. These are 16, 17 year olds. Lacrita never been in trouble. And then her life is gone. I really feel like if these like these queer organizations should have rallied around them just to get them better representation, just to have. And then it'd be hard. Right. You're going to have to go on the stand and talk about how your grandmother, whom you killed, was a bigot. But like, are you going to save your life? That didn't give her a reason to die. Are you going to throw yourself at the mercy of the court so that you can? Are you going to have sound counsel to help you navigate this as a child that did a very stupid and love thing? I was I was sneaking out of the house at 16 all the damn time. I was sneaking people in the house all the damn time. Not all the damn time. Let me stop acting like I was that bad. I wasn't that damn bad. <laughs> I'm making myself sad. But I but I was 16 and I was doing stupid stuff. I don't know. I hope I'm I hope my rant made sense. I've been thinking about it too much. When I start thinking about my rant too much, it doesn't come out how I want it to. No, you got it. You got your point. You made me think about it differently. Yeah, I just I just feel like I really I think the person whose side of the story that I really care to hear about is Lacrita's. I think the point that landed the most with me or that really made me think about it differently, not necessarily that I was against her, but just gave me a different perspective is you talking about not having that parental figure and then being able to accept it in other places because it is very easy to say this girl ain't have no home training, but it's like, <laughs> understand she did not have no home training. Like, you know what I mean? Like, really let right. it sink in. It's not by choice. It's by failure. Right. From her exactly. parental figure. You know what I mean? And so, and Lakrita like, got caught up with the bad girl. Quote, unquote, was Sharon a bad girl? Was she a left-behind kid? Or did they both get or in were a they situation just fucking where they felt like they love. had to rescue each other and they felt like you know you've been in that type of love yes. when you're young where you really feel like we're all we got and we have to make this work you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so you yep. you go too far trying to make it work because you feel like this is the end and it's really just the beginning <laughs> there'll be so many more but like right. you, you do everything that you can to try and save her and she probably could, could feel that pressure you know what I'm saying especially feeling right. like she hadn't like if you don't have any any family to fall back on, this feels like you're only somebody. And what are you willing mm-hmm. to do for your only somebody at 16 with nowhere else to go? With nowhere else to go. Yeah. And I just don't think that, that the lawyers did not speak up and take their side. And they probably couldn't even see it from their side. But mm-hmm. now they're just a number. And even trying to advocate for yourself, like to explain that side. You know what I'm saying? Like... Mm-hmm. I feel like some of you is just recognizing these things in this age. You know what I'm saying? It's 28, 29. So, like, to be so emotionally aware of your triggers and your response at 16, 17, at this point, you asked me to be a professional. Right. I mean, and, like, they have sentencing now, but, like, they're probably going to get out either— 
their 50s, their la- the latest, their 70s from something they did when they were 16, 17. I don't think that that's fair. So I think you're that paroling. They, I really, I do, <laughs> I, I do, I am paroling. I feel like, I just, I just feel like the sad part is there's so many cases like this where there's nuances in, that need to be looked at by a professional that if you don't have the fucking money uh, or a prof- or if you don't have a community rallying behind you, whatever your story is, even if it's the truth, it's going to go to the wayside and you can easily spend the rest of your life in prison. That's all I got to say. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. <laughs> I asked my nephew what he was doing in Florida. He said, not much, really. I said, you ain't did nothing? He said, I went to a pride parade. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> what if he was eight? How was it? <laughs> I said, he said, it was cool. It was all right. Uh, my niece, we went to, a, in Little Five Points, there was a pride art walk. And so me... And my homegirl and her daughter went and my little niece was looking at everything and she has already said that her favorite color is rainbow. She's got this artsy, my homegirl is this artsy, queer, just love, free-loving type of girl. And so her and her little daughter with her Afro puffs just running around having a great time and all the glitter. And then she picked out these pigs holding rainbow flags. She got one sticker and one magnet. And she was like, I love these so much. Did you make these? Are you the artist? She's seven. Are you the artist that made these? (laughs) Wow, you do such a great job. Uh, He was like, thank you so much. And she was saying, I'm just having so much fun at this pride parade. I love art so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Kids are great. But, yeah. um, Oh, I guess that's the end of our show. (laughs) I hope you guys did something really fun for Pride. Uh, So let's read some reviews. I don't know if I said that formally, but it's not even late. I'm just ready to wrap this thing on up. They're going to be like, this is a 30-minute show. I hate you all so much. (laughs) Um, This is from Dr. Scott NYC. This came in our DMs. I don't usually read the ones from our DMs, but this one was extra cute. Dr. Scott says, sincerely. Thank you. I started listening to the podcast in early March, just as I started trying to grow grass in my front yard. I was out here for hours putting down fresh soil, breaking up the hard clay, putting down grassies, and really the only companionship I had was Mara and Taz. The podcast is the perfect mix of candor, humor, and professionalism. To hear the change of sound quality, to hear Mara from doing Uber while trying to get this pop into doing TV spots, it's inspirational. So even when I feel like giving up on this yard, hearing the progression of the podcast reminded me that it is all a process. The pictures are so you can see how it started and where it is now now again thank you ladies and first of all this grass looks so good thank you so much <laughs> but dr scott what i tell you grew some grass i mean grew some good grass and they got this cutie patootie little girl dressed up in her princess outfit thank you for sending that so much i think i was door dashing when we started this or a little bit in between but never would have made it Never would have made it without you. Come on now. (laughs) But thank you so much. And happy grass growing. That grass look good. I'm about to send it to you, Tazzy. Okay, Mariah, this one's for you. Oh, gosh. As a former intermezzo alto, I can appreciate a good soprano when I hear one. 
Right. I love you, girl. If you weren't in a relationship, roll <laughs> emoji. But yeah, <laughs> you guys know how much we love the show. I listen no matter where I am. Y'all literally are the reason me and my sister started our own true crime podcast. My question is, do you ladies write your scripts before airing or do you do a dialogue off the top of your head? Both. Please keep going. Both of them. <laughs> we may want more, but we're grateful for what we get. Love, Ruth. Both We write down the facts. I'm not telling you our secrets. <laughs> Listen, I left it at what I left it at. You the one expounding. <laughs> I, I'm cutting that shit out. <laughs> okay, that is it. Congratulations on your new podcast. Well, um, I just sent me um, a picture of this grass, and it is green. Okay, talk about it's some good grass. Okay, I want to have a picnic. <laughs> it looks animated, right? Like, yeah. it looks fake. I want my grass to look nice you and You know fake. that grass with, that feel good with, when you walk on it? Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, no shoes allowed on the grass. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, for real, if you want to keep up with us, thank you for hanging out with us another week. If you want to keep up with us, you totally can. You can email us. The best way to email us is sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us case suggestions. You can just say hi. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're always having fun there. Sisters Who Kill on Instagram to see pictures from this episode, Sisters Who Kill Pod. If you want to follow us on TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. And you can join the discussion group where we chit-chat about everything, but make sure you keep it cute. Sisters Who Kill Podcast on Facebook. Anything else, friend? Talk to us, we talk back. Bye. Bye.